اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اینڈ ویلکم بیک ٹو رمضان ریفلیکشنز ٹوڈے بینگ دا سیونتھ ڈے آف دا بلسڈ منتھ آف رمضان ان دا ایئر 2022 ایز وی کنٹینیو ٹو ریویو اور ٹاپک آف بینگ ان دا پریزنس آف دا پروفٹ ٹرائنگ ٹو انڈرسٹینڈ وٹ اٹ می وٹ اٹ می ہیو بین لائک ٹو لیو انٹریکٹ and be in the company of the beloved messenger of Allah from the verses of the noble Quran, we come to a very critical juncture in the life of our beloved messenger. You know, there comes a point in everybody's life where they feel the need to complete themselves. To go from being a me to a we, and looking for the right person to spend their life with, their spouse, your life partner, And in this area, Prophet Muhammad, may God's peace and blessings be upon him and his family, is no exception. Just like everybody needs, needs or wants to get married and have a family, the Prophet was a similar, uh, had a similar thought pattern. You know, to an extent, some of the Quraysh did not really think much about this young man. They recognized him as orphan, didn't have a mother, didn't have a father, didn't have a grandfather. He didn't have really a, a reputation, so to speak, as a warrior or as, you know, anybody of an aristocratic, rich, flamboyant uh, member of a society. So he really wasn't much of a person that people gave, you know, much attention to, we could say. He didn't have an elite status. Okay, he was, okay, he was born into the Quraysh, but so were maybe hundreds, if not thousands of other people. So he didn't have much else to show for himself. Didn't have that power that other people had who would, you know, command a military or an army. Although he didn't have wealth, he didn't have power, he didn't have prestige, he had one thing, brothers and sisters. His character, his honesty, his integrity, his sincerity, his truthfulness. These far outweighed anything else a person could have. Even today, you have people who are billionaires, but they're persistent liars. They come on television and news media actually count the number of lies they say in an average press conference or in an average discussion that this person would have with media. You have people who may have power, power to you know, destroy other countries, blow up other nations, but they have no character integrity to themselves. You know, they have no character to speak of. There's nothing good people can say about them. But the Prophet, he may not have had wealth and power, but he had character. And when you have character, you have everything in the world. The pages of history testify to us that his future marriage would be built not on what he had in terms of material gain, but rather on his piety, his chastity, his virtue, his honesty. Now, although as we mentioned in our previous session that the Prophet did engage in being the head of the caravan for Lady Khadija, Peace be upon her. And although on that trade caravan, we're told the historical books mention that the Prophet made a massive profit for Sayyida Khadija, peace be upon her, when he took her trade caravan. People actually, the, the historians mention that Khadija, peace be upon her, was shocked. Peace be upon her, was shocked. That how could this one uh, individual who didn't have a lot of experience, but how could he make such a massive profit on one of his first independent or probably the first independent trade caravan that he took. And obviously the two slaves that were with the Prophet, that Khadija, peace be upon her, had 
sent to, a, uh, to, to uh, go with the prophet, to accompany the prophet. They only spoke of him in, in glowing terms with amazing accolades. This man that we know as our beloved prophet Muhammad, may God's peace and blessings be upon him and his family, would later not only be a manager to the caravan of Lady Khadija, peace be upon her, but not only earning her material wealth, but as history has shown and we will elucidate on today, she would gain much more in terms of spiritual wealth. The spiritual wealth that the Prophet of Islam would give to her through the blessings of his nabuwa, of his messengership. Now how did this proposal come about is a question that many people have asked and history has spoken about. Historians are unanimous that the initiation of the marriage proposal came from Lady Khadija, peace be upon her. However, it was deliberated upon by the Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, may God's blessings be upon him and his family, and with Abu Talib, peace be upon him, his also his uh, approval of this marriage. Not that the Prophet needed approval from anybody. He was 25 years old or, or thereabouts. He was a, a man, independent young man. Obviously, he had control over his own life. He didn't have to answer to even his uncle if he didn't want to. Uh, but he went to his uncle for guidance and for his uncle to give him the, uh, the go-ahead, but also his uncle to, you know, uh, know and, and give that, uh, that, I guess, stamp of approval, we could say. Maybe it's like an indication of today where young men get, want to get married or young ladies want to get married in our Muslim community. And although for some people their parents' approval may not be a requirement, except in the cases of, uh, of certain instances. But still, we always seek our parents' blessings and approval. We want to make sure that when we choose our life partner, that our parents are happy with that choice. Although we will be living with that person, but obviously we go to the elders for their wisdom and insight. In any case, you know, once the proposal comes through Khadija, peace be upon her, through one of her helpers, one of the assistants or slaves in the house, it comes to the Prophet, him and Abu Talib, peace be upon him, sit down and discuss. Once they confirmed that yes, they were indeed happy with this and that the marriage would go through, the good news began to spread through the community. Obviously not as fast as today with social media, with you know, the various forms of instant communication, but the news spread throughout Mecca. The good news was announced that told to the family and the community that this extraordinary ceremony would take place. This marriage would take place of the young man named Muhammad. May God's peace and blessings be upon him and his family with his uh, future wife-to-be, Khadija bint Khawailid, a woman who, again, had a very uh, respected status in society. It was a very prominent businesswoman, a very prominent uh, employer, actually, of women, and one who took care of the, of the widows and the young ladies who didn't have any support. In that extraordinary wedding ceremony, brothers and sisters, which definitely looks nothing like our weddings today, Abu Talib, peace be upon him, actually delivered the sermon. Just as in our communities, when we get married, we have the local sheikh or scholar will deliver a lecture on marriage or some topic to speak to the community about and to bless that gathering. Well, in the wedding of the Prophet, Abu Talib, peace be upon him, was given the honors of delivering the sermon. And because he was a Muslim, he started with the praise of Allah. And he's been quoted as saying in the, in the wedding ceremony, he says that my nephew Muhammad ibn Abdullah 
is superior to any man of the tribe of the Quraysh with whom he may be compared. Although he lacks every sort of wealth, yet he said wealth is a passing shadow. And he may not have anything else, but his origin and lineage is something which is permanent. Historians mention that Abu Talib, peace be upon him, connect, conducted the wedding ceremony. And with those words, the Prophet was married to Khadija bint Khuwailid. May God's peace and blessings be upon her. Now, where does this come in the Quran? You know, it's this union that Allah speaks about actually in nine, chapter number 93, verse number 8. In this verse, Allah says, Did we not find you in want and in need and made you self sufficient? Although there are multiple commentaries of this verse, but one of them is that based upon the hadith that when Allah says that we found you a'ilan, in need, fa'aghna, and made you self-sufficient, it was, did we not find you in need and we made you self-sufficient through the wealth of your wife Khadija, peace be upon her. Not only, brothers and sisters, would Khadija, peace be upon her, be the first wife of the Prophet, his life partner, that woman who would share the ups and downs of life together with the messenger of the future messenger of God in Arabia. But once the prophetic mission would start some 15 years later from the time of the marriage, she would dedicate all of her energies, her blood, her sweat, her tears, her emotions, her heart would be given to her husband, the final messenger of Allah. In fact, the Prophet would even remark many years after Khadija passed away. And when the Prophet was in Medina and he had other wives who were younger than Khadija was, he would remark that she was an exceptional, exceptional woman on many fronts. The Prophet would go on to say that she believed in him when all others denied his status. The Messenger of Allah would tell his wives in Medina when they would insult Khadija. He would say that she gave him all that she had, wealth, time, energies, love, care, to propagate the message when others have deprived him of what they had. And he would go on to give the accolades and the, the, the status that Umm al-Mu'mineen Khadija bint Khawailid would deserve that he would provide. And truly, brothers and sisters, as we round off our discussion for today, it's no wonder that Allah gave her the title of Umm al-Mu'mineen, because she truly is the mother of the believers. She truly is the mother of the believers. Because a pious mother, she cares for her children. She doesn't lead them to an, into a frivolous and illegal war against the leader from God. A pious mother is one who cares for her husband. She doesn't insult him behind his back. She doesn't question his authority or his status. A pious mother truly and honestly believes in Allah and all that he expects a believer to follow and doesn't merely pay lip service to the revolution and to the message. And therefore, although many wives of the Prophet could be called Ummul Mu'mineen because this is a title God gave them, but we have to look at who actually earned that title. And through her wealth, as we conclude, Khadija, peace be upon her, would leave everything to be at the disposal of the Prophet. This new fledgling faith of Islam would grow secretly in Mecca through the wealth of Khadija, peace be upon her, and through her love, through her, the, the tranquility that she gave to the Prophet in, his, in those early years.
But before that could happen, before Islam could finally take firm root in the Arabian Peninsula, we know that this new couple would have to spend the next 15 years together growing with each other in the city of Mecca. A city full of sin. A city full of faith, however, at the same time, a city full of sin. Steeped in idolatry, sin, oppression, and decadence. What we call jahiliyyah. However, what would come next in the life of the beloved messenger of Allah, the Prophet Muhammad, may God's peace and blessings be upon him and his family. This will signal a change in humanity. And this is what we will review tomorrow in the eighth day of our Ramadan Reflection Series as we look at the beginning of the revelation and the role of Khadija salam in the early days of the history of Islam. Until then, wassalamu alaikum jamian wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.